The following is a hoop ball presentation. You can find us at Hoopball Gaming on Twitter. Check us out over on hoop-ball.com. Fantasy Pass just went up. Lots of great NBA fantasy content. I'm using the Brew 150 player rankings right now to go through some of my drafts. It's helping me out a ton. You guys got to check it out. We got the daily uh, you know, uploads into our DFS Pass, the Wager Pass. Um, so check that stuff out. Still a pretty new launch, but we like what we've seen so far. Got good feedback. Also, today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Lawnmower 3.0 just came out. New waterproof full electric technology. It's going to take care of you. Use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0, to go ahead and get free shipping and 20% off. They got other fine products such as beard balms, oils, tinctures, underwear, carrying cases, all that good stuff for us gentlemen. Manscaped.com. Football 20 is the promo code. Well, guys, we've got a very, very exciting show today. I've got a special guest on today. We're going to unpack some really neat stuff. We're going to cover a few different bases. The guy that I'm having on today has done some really great work with ESPN over the last handful, two handfuls of years, helped launch a key show that is going on on ESPN. Now I'll let him spill the marbles on that one. But, um, Without being long-winded about it, I'm just going to go ahead and bring David on here. David Bearman. I keep wanting to say beer man, but that's probably because, you know, I, I, I like beer. But, uh, you know. I would, I would say you're in the majority of the people who mispronounce the last name. You actually pronounce it correctly with the bear. Um, yeah. People do say Beerman all the time for probably the same reasons you want to say it. But uh, you had it right. So good, good, good start. I had it locked into my head, you know, once we started recording, I had to literally break down the compound word of bear and man, (laughs) but I didn't want to sound, you know, like RoboCop. So I tried to flow it nicely. Um, Well, you work with ESPN, you know, just no no secret. Um, You've been pretty heavily involved with the stats department digitally, overseeing some operations. You've, you know, you are the liaison for ESPN and, William Hill, as you told me off air. Um, And, you know, ESPN has two bears. You know, they got Chris Falica and you. So pretty good team there. You want to give us a (laughs) little insight? Yeah, we worked. Yeah, we uh, we worked together, uh, me and and Felica. We worked together on a lot of college football stuff back in the day before I have my my current role. Um, And I'll always remember being at, at bowl games or national championship games in our trailer or office days before the game and some of the VPs or executives or even even Aaron Andrews who I went to school with uh, at Florida would walk in and say hey bear and I would turn around because that was my nickname for my entire life and then it'd be like no no not you that bear Um, and it got me every single time because you know he travels with them every single week for years 25 plus years 
Um, and he, you know, I, I did it for a couple of years, but even then I was still the new guy and it was, Hey bear. And I turn around, no, not you. And it was funny. Cause like, you know, I, like I said, I went to school with Erin and that was my name in school. So I assumed she was talking to me and others were talking to me, but no, nah, Chris, the bear Felica, good dude. Um, brought me in when I started 15 plus years ago on the college football team. Um, learned a lot under him. He's obviously moved into a talent role at ESPN. He's an integral part of daily wager, uh, the chalk website that I oversee as well as college game day. And um, he's a fixture and well-earned, well-deserved, uh, good, overall good dude and love, loves the sports betting. Yeah. He, um, he's kind of, he, he's my kind of guy, you know, the way he breaks it down. Um, I, I love his analysis. Um, and, you know, they've added, you know, Stanford Steve recently. And I, you know, it's kind of like a Batman and Robin pairing, but um None, nonetheless, you know, myself included, as well as all the listeners, I'm assuming, uh, we all love the content, and we're excited to have you on and unpack some of this stuff. So, you know, you're, you're heavy East Coast, Lower East Coast, you're, Florida, you're a Florida guy, yep. correct? Um, so, yeah, I want to kind of unpack a couple of, well, first, you said you went to Florida. Um, you, you were going to that, that school when they, they were uh, deep in the Urban Meyer heyday, Yeah. It, it was not not to make myself sound old, but I was actually there during the Steve Spurrier era. Spurrier. You're watching me on video, and, and I look really young, so I appreciate that. Um, no, I was there during the Spurrier era, won the national title my freshman year in 96. Um, uh, and, and obviously the Urban era was fantastic with two national titles in three years. And Urban worked for ESPN for a little while, so got to work with them there. Uh, but yeah, born and raised in Miami, uh, went to University of Florida, and bounced around the nation for a couple of years doing minor league play-by-play and working for various major minor league teams before ending up in uh, Bristol, Connecticut for ESPN. Yeah. Now, how is Bristol? I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to go to the colonial, you know, northeast part of the country. I love Connecticut. I love the idea of Vermont and Maine. But, you know, how is Bristol? I've always wanted to visit the campus. Uh, the campus is great. I mean, Bristol's a city. It's, it's, I always tell people I used to do a little recruiting for ESPN and people would ask me that question all the time. And I'd say, you know, the city is what you make it. We're 90 minutes from New York, 90 minutes from Boston. Um, the campus is great. Lots of, uh, it, it, it resembles a college campus. It has lots of different buildings, cafeteria, gym. Um, you know, you are in the Northeast. I'm more of a Southern Florida guy. So you have to get used to the weather. been here 15 years. So I've sort of gotten used to the weather as I look outside and there was snow yesterday and more snow coming tomorrow. Uh, but if you like the colonial Northeast, you would love, you'd love it up here. Uh, my wife's from actually out West and she loves it up here as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm a Midwesterner by trade. Um, grew up in Oklahoma, stuck around the Missouri, Kansas area. Like I told you off air, just recently moved down to North of Atlanta. So I'm transitioning myself. So it's a little different. Um, so you said you kind of jumped right on in with ESPN and college football. And we got some really, really interesting games going on this week. And, you know, we can start with the Pac-12 just kind of storyline-wise. You know, they just swapped, you know, a competitor out in that conference championship game. Should that conference championship kind of be null and void? Should they even play it? What do you, is there an asterisk? Do, do you like the idea of what they did? We're going to look back at 2020, probably 10 years from now. And we're just going to be like, wow. Like switching out an opponent five, four days before the, not even what, what's today, Tuesday and the game's mm-hmm. Friday. It, it's things that are now a blip on the radar, like switching out a team would have been unheard of six, eight, nine months ago where 
Schedules are being made up on the fly. You're swapping out opponents. Poor Washington wins the freaking division, and they can't even go to the conference championship game. You have the Big Ten where they just make up rules as they go along. You have the SEC teams playing and it resulting in an upset last week while the ACC teams just decide not to play and then they get to play in the conference title game. I've always said – I'm a huge college football fan, but I've also been a huge critic of the system over dozens and dozens of years, dating back to my years growing up at the Orange Bowl, and they were just making up national championship games just because they wanted to. Uh, before the BCS, which had flaws, and the alliance that had flaws, and now the college football – uh, CFB playoff, which we're all behind. Obviously, we're a big partner, and it's much better than the old system. But even this year is showing the enormous flaws in the fact that there is no real oversight of college football other than every conference is on its own, and then there's a committee who will decide who's going to the playoff and who's not. I, you know, with the, with the Pac-12, you know, there's a lot of money on the line for these conference title games. That's the reason they were created to begin with, the television and, and revenue and all that, I know you're not going to be able to sell a lot of tickets because of the pandemic, but um, the fact that you have to switch out opponents last minute is, is obviously not good, but it's par for the course when it comes to 2020. If you look at the conference championship games to begin with, you got one that they just switched out opponents. You have one in the Big Ten that they just decided overnight to switch the rules to allow a team in. You have one in the SEC that's pitting a team that just lost last week. Um, so it, it's all... It is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't envy the committee for having to freaking decide who the four teams are when my biggest criticism of college football over the last 20 years has always been, and I love the sport, has always been all things are not created equal. And until you level the playing field and you create equality in terms of conferences and schedules and strength of everything – you're always going to have debate. You're always going to have controversy. And it's what fuels the sport. I mean, the sport has had controversy and discussion. It's been a water cooler sport for 25, 30, probably 50 years in terms of who's doing what, when, and where. When, you know, you have – sometimes you have national titles decided before bowl games back in the day. Um, so all things not created equal. And I always pointed to the fact that some conferences play more comp- – taking 2020 out of the equation for a minute. Some conferences have play more conference games than others. Some – like some teams won't go play FCS schools while other conferences do. Do you do it early in the year? Do you do it late in the year? Some conferences don't have title games and some do. So I said, as long as the playing field is not equal, you're never going to have a, a non-controversial national championship. This year, more than any year, it's even worse than that. I mean, the number of games played, you can have one team, six games, one team, 10 games, one team, whatever. It, it, it is 2020, but at some point you need – a certain level of oversight with college football to I just, I don't know how you can justify putting a six win team in over a nine win team or a team with two losses over a team with no losses. And it's just on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, obviously there's a little bias in me because I'm a Florida grad, but they played a makeup game last Saturday night because the SEC deemed it important to play as many games as possible. Nobody thought that Florida's going to lose LSU, but they made up that game and lost while you have Notre Dame and Clemson on a quote-unquote made-up bye week, not playing their makeup games against Wake Forest and Florida State, and they're protected into the semifinal, and the winner of that's going to advance, whereas Florida is now going to play Alabama, and they're probably – they're not going to get in even if they beat Alabama because they played last week. So that is the – and I'm not saying which way is right which way is wrong. I don't want to right, come right, down right. on the Big Ten or whatever. Like, 
personally, I probably would have rather Florida not play the game. <laughs> you don't lose. You go to the national, you go to the, what I would have called the national quarterfinal. Um, but they played, they played bad. They played stupid and they lost. Um, but that's what college football is all about playing the games and not trying to get upset. There's a list of upsets a mile and a half long in college football when it comes to teams losing when they sh can't lose. And then they lose anyway and cost themselves a national title. That's what Florida did, you know, Clemson. And the, the fact that Dabo Sweeney comes out and says, even if we lose to Notre Dame, we should still be in the playoff. All right. Well, if that's the case, you're in your own system. Like there's no purpose in playing the season. You're going to lose to Notre Dame twice, once with your quarterback, once without your quarterback. You're not in the playoff. I don't even, you know, don't even claim to be. And Florida's right. Dan Mullen said the same thing. If we beat Alabama, we belong in. No, you don't. You lost two games. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and then you have the other side of it. You have the power, the non-power five teams have no shot whatsoever, ever, no matter what the system is. And whereas I am a power five guy going to Florida and, and, and respect those schools immensely, the little guy has no shot. Like you're not getting a Butler going to the national championship game and losing on a buzzer beater to do like that doesn't happen in college football and it never will under the curtain system. Well, I, I love the passion and I love the all encompassing points um, because they're pretty parallel with my thoughts and beliefs and views and opinions on the NCAA as a whole and with specifically how they handle college football. I, I feel the same in the sense that it should, it, it seems a little more governized as far as like a federal to state thing. Um, the conferences being the states and it just, it's kind of like a wild west at times, you know, technically Ohio state should have had their um, opportunity to play in the college football playoff uh, null and voided. They should have not, they should have been taken off the table based off the number of games that they were participating in that were canceled or postponed or canceled because the Big Ten wasn't doing postponements. They hit the number, you know, so they shouldn't have a chance to play. They shouldn't even be in their conference championship. Um, and then, like you said, the little guys. I, 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 go ahead. No, I was, I, I was going to say, and I, the rules are the rules, and I, I was against the Big Ten changing the rule for Ohio State, but at the same time, it's not – Ohio State wasn't the one who canceled the game. So, I actually sure. – part yeah. of me felt bad. And this is obviously coming from a Florida fan who's not a fan of Ohio State. But they're not the ones who canceled the game. Right. The they other didn't teams have the cases. Right. But at the end of the day, the rules were the rules. And the mm -hmm. rules put in place for this year um, were that you had to play a certain amount of games. And they didn't. And that was all because the Big Ten decided to wait to play as opposed to the SEC who went out ahead and did it. Mm -hmm. It's just – there needed to be something. And this is where the sport aired – was like the NBA went on a hiatus and hockey and baseball in March and they all came back after many, many months and they succeeded in finishing their season. College football had approximately five months to figure it out before it started and they didn't figure it out before it started. And all of a sudden it's August and it's every man for himself and the big 10 and the PAC 12 aren't going to play. So the SEC big 12 and ACC do play and the others are like, well, crap, it's working. So let's come back and play. Well, you have to deal with those consequences. The consequences are you didn't play enough games. And you know what? If I'm the committee and, and this may or may not happen, I don't, I don't put Ohio State in even if they do win the Big Ten championship. Of course, they're going to get in. But if they lose, if they win the Big Ten championship, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting a 6-0 team in the college football playoff when you have other teams. And I'm not necessarily saying it needs to be Iowa State or Cincinnati or anybody else. But – Texas A&M is going to be nine and one with one loss to the best team in the country. Like, why are they not in? Right. Um, I would have said the same for Florida with their only loss being to Alabama had they lost and obviously to A&M. Um, it's just, 
I, there's a big asterisk going on this season regardless, but it, it's, it's college football in general. That's what right. It, is. it seems like the collegiate components are having a little more rough go of it, trying to get their seasons in and get their games in. We're seeing it with college basketball. We're seeing anywhere from five to 15 games a day being canceled or postponed in college basketball. And it, I honestly, it, you know, these kids are doing so much travel. And I say kids because, I mean, they are. That's what, I mean, some of these, I mean, most of these players aren't even old enough to drink. So. Yeah, and I fault college basketball more than college football. Because right. College football had to get kick-started in July and August or September. You had even more months to plan for college basketball. A sport that took it on the chin to begin with in March when the tournament right. was canceled. You had – from March all the way to now, and college basketball, unlike college football, is actually governed by the NCAA, where college football is kind of by itself and does its own thing. The college basketball sport is governed by the NCAA and its championships, and they still haven't figured it out. Right. We still don't know if the tournament's going to supposedly be in one site in Indianapolis or not. Like, it's about to be January. You have to figure these things out. Um, I, I totally respect everything Coach K stands for and his comments. It was unfortunate it was received the way it was after a loss at home. But he's absolutely right. The, the, the non-conference stuff wasn't necessary this year. Every sport has given up something. You know, the NBA gave up a couple of teams when the bubble started. Hockey gave up a couple of teams when their bubble started. Uh, Major League Baseball expanded the playoffs but changed a couple of things and gave up some rule changes. For some reason, the college sports refused to give up anything, and college basketball could have given up the non-conference, the limit travel, to try to get the season underway in the right way, play an all-conference slate just like football did. Football gave you the model. They canceled all non-conference games and said conference only, and then play a tournament at the end of the season. Instead, they're stumbling, bumbling, and, and obviously our prayers and thoughts are with the Florida player who collapsed on the court the other day. We don't know what it's related to or not, but these are all – you know, byproducts of playing when there should have been more time to figure it out. Yeah, that was a very scary moment for sure. I'm, you know, if the listeners aren't, you know, sure of what exactly happened, but uh, Carrington or Carrion uh, Johnson, he, uh, you know, he collapsed in Florida's game against um, Florida State. Florida State, thank you, um, this past weekend. And of course, it's a very serious thing. Um, and we're still, we, I, I did see some good news that he was transferred from one center to the next. And, yep. you know, he's following commands and uh, simple commands. And so obviously all of our good thoughts, our prayers and warm energies are going to be with him and his family. Um, with that being said, you know, that's, that's a tough transition or tr- tough pivot to make. But um, do, you, <clears throat> do you want to speak more about college football or are you ready to roll into maybe some professional football you want to do some college basketball i'm gonna let you this is like a dnd campaign you, you just kind of you're uh, you're the host we can uh, we can roll into college football or nfl that's fine all right so there is a couple and i'll just get specific with the nfl because there's a couple of lines that i was eyeballing um you know this week there's some key games obviously some playoff spots that are um going to be claimed lost you know uh, stolen, whatever you want to say. Um, there's some really, really good matchups, and I'm going to start with um, an NFC West team, uh, the um, 49ers and the Cowboys. I know this. you thought I was probably going to say another game, a more important game, because I'm talking about playoff teams. But the Cowboys are getting two and a half points. 
I think that's kind of fool's gold right now. Um, I honestly think this spread should be a lot bigger on the 49er side. I think the Cowboys have kind of got lucky with some recency bias and the way they've played. 49ers coming off of, a, you know, whatever that performance was last week. Um, I think this matchup for the 49ers defense specifically is going to be one that bodes well for them. And I think this is going to be a game that we see the 49ers defense just have one of those, uh, you know, train just at full speed games where they probably score one or two touchdowns and Andy Dalton has a couple turnovers. So that's what I'm thinking. Early I on. definitely didn't. I definitely didn't have Cowboys Niners as the first game on the list. So you surprised me there, but um, I actually kind of agree with your sentiment. Uh, the Cowboys have been overinflated all year as bad as they've been, believe it or not, they still get decent lines. Um, I played against them last week with the Bengals and was wrong. I didn't think the Cowboys should be favored by three and a half on the road versus anybody outside of my six-year-old's flag football team. That being said, the Bengals were that bad. And, you know, when you have three, three fumbles in the first three drives, that takes care of that. So the Cowboys did get some breaks. Uh, I have not been impressed with the Niners. They've dealt with a lot of injuries, quarterback, running back, line, defensive line. That's a game I'm going to stay away from, but if forced to pick, I would probably lean the same way as you with the Niners being the better team. And anytime you can lay less than a field goal with the better team, it's a, it's a pretty good proposition. So I would lean that way as well. Sure. Well, moving on from kind of a dud of a game to uh, probably one of the more most watched games this week, I would say, probably not the most eyes on it. That's the Chiefs and the Saints. Line right now is three and a half for the Chiefs and uh, most spots. I'm seeing 51 and a half on the total. If I remember right, the total opened, I think, a point and a half, maybe two points lower. Um, and it's obviously skyrocketed by now because whenever I was first glancing at these lines, that was one that stuck out to me on the total side. But when you think about it, you've got the Chiefs and then you've got the Saints as far as those pass defenses. They actually have some really, really great talent in their pass defenses and their secondary. Um so with that being said, can these potent – I mean, it's still Patrick Mahomes and it's still the Sean Payton Saints offense. Can they break through and maybe bust through this – I mean, I took a number of 50. I believe that's what I saw. I took a number of 50, and I, I think Patrick Mahomes and Taysom Hill and the rest of the core pieces on both these offenses can get it done. I mean, 25 apiece with these two teams, that's not that much to ask for. I agree there because if you even look at the, the games the last two last week uh, between the games that the Saints played and the Chiefs played, you know, the Chiefs obviously scored in bunches. They, they still scored a lot of points, even with four turnovers in the game against a solid Miami defense. And the Dolphins were down to people no one ever heard of playing at wide receiver running back, and they still scored uh, 27 points. So the Chiefs allowed a lot and scored a lot. And if you look at the Saints game, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Saints who entered with the top defense in the entire NFL let a Jalen Hurts and no-name Eagles offense score in bunches against them. So I think that there are some holes in the Saints defense that the Eagles exploited, so the Chiefs will be able to. So I think that's a fair thing to think it would go over over 50. Hey, I know who Lynn Bowden and Patrick Laird is. <laughs> <laughs> we know who they are, but that doesn't mean they're the players that should be starting for them. Correct, so. yeah. Um, I'm excited. You know, I was – I actually, you know, to kind of segue in the fantasy, I picked both backs up out of your backfield. Uh, I went ahead and grabbed uh, uh, DeAndre Washington. I wanted to see how he was used this week. I think one of the two is going to get unleashed next week. And I moved, I moved into the semifinals of my – fantasy playoffs. I'm just trying to grab all the talent uh, of availability. But um, yeah, I, and you know, I'm glad you brought that game up because I think I saw that number at 49 and a half with the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And grabbed the over. I think it was like Sunday night, Monday morning. And uh, that was the, I forgot I placed the bet. And I was like, oh yeah, that was, <laughs> <laughs> I like those. Those were easy. Didn't have to work for those ones. Um, so yeah. Um, well, I threw a couple games out. I, I didn't know if you had a couple that you were eyeballing or something that you uh, were looking forward to watching in this pivotal weekend. Now, I want to also point out there are Saturday games, Saturday yes. games this week. So, betters. Yeah, there were a couple. I was actually just looking just before the call. There were a couple that jumped out at me. Uh, not sure where I'm going with them yet, but um, I, I think. Washington, the way they're playing, getting almost a touchdown versus Seattle seems a little bit too good to be true. Obviously, that line is probably inflated because of how well Seattle looked against the Jets, who hasn't looked good against the Jets. So um, I would probably take Washington at home, not only plus the six, but I, I probably sprinkle some on the money line with them. Um, you mentioned the Chiefs Saints already. Some of the games are not on the board. Another one that I was looking at um, – Obviously, being a big Dolphins guy, I think they should beat the Patriots. I'm just concerned as to who's actually going to show up and play for the Dolphins on offense. But team to team, the Dolphins are the better team this year. So two and a half shouldn't be too much to do. Um, I haven't studied the rest of the board too much, but um, I can't believe the Chargers and Raiders are playing on Thursday night. Talk about two teams that look terrific. Yeah. Um, not that I ever want to bet I'm sorry, Keenan Allen's yeah. chasing that receptions, uh, or most receptions in first, what is it, 90? Or first 100 games or something like that? Youngest player I would. Um, I can't remember. I would, I would lean towards the Colts laying a touchdown against a really bad Texans defense. I mm-hmm. think the Colts can expose that. Uh, you had mentioned San Francisco-Dallas. I'll probably stay away from anything related to Chicago-Minnesota. The Tampa Bay Atlanta one is interesting just because Tampa hasn't really played well, but the Falcons are about as dead as dead comes with NFL teams. So, but they're getting six at home, which could be enticing, but Tampa should blow them out, but probably won't because it's just not the way they've been this year. So that could be an interesting one. And then we haven't seen line jet on Lions Titans because of, of Stafford's question marks. Um, Rams minus 17 versus the Jets. Wow. We've entered that part of the season where the Jets are getting 17 points. That's a lot of points. I mean, they're still an NFL team. <laughs> but, I mean, what, they lost by, like, 40 last week, so. That's a tough one. It's hard not to take 17, but not really in favor of taking the Jets. Um, 
I probably play the over in that game because if yeah. the Rams are going to cover the 17, they're probably going to go over the total, and the Jets will score at some point. You don't expect them to play as bad as they did last week, but you never know. Right. I actually, um, that was another, I was looking through my ledger here. That was another over that I took in my early looks. So uh, I'm glad you pointed that one out. You know, I wanted to further out on the Seattle-Washington one a little bit because this number opened at minus three uh, for Seattle. So obviously in the get-go, you know, odds makers thought that this game should be closer, you know, that the, you know, the Washington football team's not six points worse than Seattle and they're three points worse. So um, six number, you got that key number. Um, so I, I like that call. I'm actually a Seahawks fan. So I, uh, I, I got to respect, you know, this Washington, Ron Rivera, you know, he's, he's a good coach and, uh, we we play bad against bad teams. Well, I mean, not that Washington's a bad team because they're first place in their division, but um, teams that you know we should probably beat. But uh, yeah, just another. If game you look that at I, that one, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Wait, Washington's playing. I mean, so Seattle, they're both playing for division titles and playoff berths. And if you look at the last four to six weeks, Washington has played just as good, if not better, than Seattle, and they're at home getting six. So. To me, that, that is one that I'm going to want to play with and, and probably pick in our column. And for those that aren't familiar with it, our ESPN.com backslash chalk column on NFL picks comes out every single Friday morning. Uh, where We have nine different writers, including myself, in the column uh, picking games. And it was actually a very good week for most of the people in the column last week. Um, so obviously tune in. We'll also have a Thursday night column that comes out Thursday morning uh, for the Thursday night game. Uh, all the Sunday games are out Friday, and then we'll have the Monday night football game out on Sunday. I know exactly what column you're speaking of, David. I love <laughs> it. I read that column quite often. Um, I want to jump. You're you're a little bit of a baseball guy too. I'm I'm gonna go a little off the cuff here. I know it's off season, but you know winter meetings are about to start. Um, your Marlins got a very exciting kind of thing going on I won a lot of money on the Marlins this season good um, took a lot of money lines with them a lot of uh, plus money on the spread lines um, first five you know they, their team totals were low a lot of the times this year for some reason um, who's one guy on that roster that you're hoping that you guys really really just retain like who do you want really badly on that team well, it would, it would depend on what you mean by retain. I mean, I don't know if they have um, many players that are available for free agency or arbitration, but, um, I mean, to me, the, the future of that roster starts with their pitching staff, and, you know, Sixto Sanchez is one of the top prospects in football, and that guy, football, and baseball. <laughs> um, he's just awesome. Like, watching that, that guy pitch every single night was awesome. Um, Pablo Lopez, another really, really good pitcher for them. Um, as long as they keep – the core intact, which has been the case with the Marlins over the last 25 years, you get a core and then you dismantle, you get a core and you dismantle. Their pitching staff has a lot of potential from the last dismantle to be really, really, really good. And you saw that last year, and that's what led them to the playoffs when it was, you know, the COVID stopped the season for two weeks. Then they came out and won, you know, eight of their first nine games afterwards, which was just impressive considering they had a different starter for all nine games. Um, it, it's a team that, you know, Corey Dickerson, nice young outfielder who's really, really good. Sterling Marte is obviously good. Um, they got a good core. 
uh, for a team that was not supposed to do anything last year, were predicted to be one of the worst teams in, in baseball, and wound up making the expanded playoffs. Uh, noted that they would have made the playoffs regardless. So that's a good thing. But your pitching staff that has Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez is a really good one, two, three core. Um, and if you help the bullpen a little bit, which is where they faltered a little bit last year, you'll have a good shot at contending again this year. I still think they're young and it's early. Um, we'll see what happens at the winter meetings. I, I've been to six of them myself. It's kind of sad to think it's now virtual instead of in person, because if there's anything that I've never been to that needs to be in person, it is the baseball winter meetings. A lot goes on at the meetings. Um, virtually, we'll see what happens, but hopefully the Marlins will pick up a couple of players and do well this year. Well, I got a little amped up on the baseball side because, like I said, I like your Marlins team. Um, the, the pitching staff, you know, the three you rattled off, Alcantara, you know, specifically, I just really love those arms that you guys got. Um, I've always wondered what it would be like just to be um, a fly on the wall at the winter meeting. So that's cool that you've been to a few, more than a few. And um, it's always one of my more exciting, you know, more attention grabbing things as far as off season stuff. You know, I think I actually like it better than NFL free agency. The uh, winter meetings is just a whole bunch of wheeling and dealing and just guys shaking hands and rubbing elbows. So it's great. A lot of shaking hands, a lot of elbow rubbing. And it's just, it's like a, it's an open summit for everybody involved in baseball. I went once as a prospective employee looking for a job in baseball and got one there. Uh, I went, two additional times as a PR director looking for assistance in, in our PR departments. And then I went three different times with ESPN in a pseudo recruiting capacity, networking capacity. Um, one was in Vegas. So obviously there's a good tie in with sports betting there uh, just in general and, and walking the lobbies and, 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 you know, catching up with the executives and seeing things, the wheeling and dealing and right there in the lobby, in the back rooms, et cetera. It's a real fun experience. For years, when I went back to college campuses and talked to students, I would say anybody who wants to work in baseball has to go to the winter meetings, see what it's like, rub elbows, shake hands. It's unfortunate it's not happening this year, except for virtually. But moving forward, if the world comes back to normal, I would highly suggest anybody listening that wants to work in sports to head to the winter meetings at some point. Yeah, great words of advice from David here. Um, I'm pro That's on my bucket list, so I'm going to get there one day. I absolutely know it. Um, it's just one of those things. I don't know. I just, I love baseball and it's like, you know, these, these kind of, like you said, these summons, uh, you know, they've just kind of been happening for a long, long time. It's like, it's tradition. And mm -hmm. that's why I love baseball. Don't get me started too, too much. But, uh, um, last, you know, kind of, I told the guests, you know, or the host, Oh my goodness, the listeners, there we go. I'll try again that we were going to unpack, you know, a little bit of everything. The last thing I want to touch on you're a heat fan. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about this team. I want to talk some general NBA stuff, maybe some teams you're looking at. Um, before I do, let me talk about my bookie. Um, just another show sponsor, mybookie.ag. I'm going to use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Uh, -L. I'm going to go ahead and get a uh, initial deposit bonus, 100% match. You're going to get free money to play with in baseball in MLB coming up. We're going to give you some free money to put on some futures tickets on that maybe some Marlins futures. And uh, they got the casino side. They got the blackjack. Uh, great customer service. Hootball is the promo code. Mybookie.ag. You bet, win, get paid. So, David, the Heat. Um, you know, I'm doing my draft, my fantasy drafts right now. Bam Autobio is flying off the board. 
pretty early. You know, he's he's one of the first big men to go, from what I'm seeing. And um, I, I've always been a huge Goran Dragic fan. I, I love Goran Dragic. Uh, I love Eric Spolstra as a coach. Pat Riley up there in the press box, the Eagles Nest running things. This is a great organization. You guys have just kind of been a well-oiled machine for mm-hmm. 25 years now. I mean, you've had some down years, but overall, um, the chain of commands kept it pretty smooth and seamless with, you know, year-to-year transitions. What's a storyline with the Heat that you're looking forward to the most in this or a player? I mean, I think the Heat, you know, you saw it last year with their run to the finals was probably a, you know, a year earlier than expected. Um, I'm not sure anybody expected the Heat to make that run. They, they were just a, a tight team under an organization that you said is a model of consistency with Riley and Skrull running the show. And that, you know, very, very underrated when it comes to a bubble environment where your, your team has to be close to it if they're going to, you know, survive the bubble and, and get as far as they can. And that, that's why I think the Heat, you know, stood out from other teams last year where they were able to treat that bubble environment as one family, one team under Riley and Spro. And, and they have the star power. You have Jimmy Butler, you have Bam Adebayo, you, you mentioned Dragic, Tyler Hero, you know, rookie last year was incredible in the postseason that, you know, his veins made of ice during a, you know, a postseason run that you've never seen out of a rookie like that. You have other pieces there with, you know, Haslam, Iquadala, uh, Avery Bradley that they added in the offseason. I even like the the draft pick, and, and, and I'm just going to call him Precious because I, I just you love calling somebody Precious. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, and on and on and on. Like, they have a roster that can compete. I like their chances. Um, you know, they're fresh off a of finals appearance. Hopefully they got enough rest since the season seems to be restarting overnight. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the finals again. It's going to be a little bit more difficult because it's not a bubble environment and you're traveling a lot more. It helped that the bubble was in Florida, so, you know, it's close to home and they were more used to it than other teams. Um, but they have the talent and, you know, they're one of the best coaches and presidents in all of the NBA. So as long as Riley and Spro are, you know, you don't see many teams, you know, Riley got there and I believe 1996 coming off his Knicks run. And, and you're talking, you know, we're looking at 24 years, 25 years under Pat Riley. And you don't just, you don't see that in sports anymore. Obviously the Patriots were one of the teams that did it the Spurs um, three titles with, you know, two completely different teams, a run last year with a completely different team. So they've made a couple of finals runs with rosters completely different than the ones before. You had the Wade and Shaq one, you had the LeBron and Wade and Bosch one, and then you had last year's, you know, Jimmy and Bam one. So I, I think that, that they could be and they should be a top four team in the East, um, but I see no reason why they wouldn't be competing with Milwaukee and Boston again to get to the yeah. finals. Yeah, I think um, you spoke on a couple of pieces on the, that roster. Udonis Haslam, you know, he's what well, he's now the most tenured player in the NBA. Uh, he's he's pretty much an uh, he's a, an extension of that front office and the coaching stuff because he understands the, um, you know, the, the what's that called the philosophy, the methodologies, the you know, the hard work, that kind of stuff, just the prep and everything that goes into it. He's been, I mean, Pat Riley was his coach when they won in '06, so I mean. He's very familiar, and that's great for these young guys. I think it's rubbing off on Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn. I'm excited to see another year of that, you know, process. And then, you know, I want to see um, how, uh, you know, I want I want to see how Hero comes back off of his performance from last year. You know, is 
Is he going to be better? Is there going to be slight reduction? I think he's a good enough player where he he can sustain that. You know, the, the kid's a scorer, um, and we saw that. And um, you, you get some really nice defensive depth with A.V. Bradley. Um, look for you guys to maybe lower the opponent three-point field goal percentage uh, from last year to this year. He's a great guard defender on that uh, perimeter. Um, so, yeah, like I said, excited for your Marlins, excited for your Heat. You guys got some exciting stuff. The Dolphins in the thick of the playoff push. It's been it's been an interesting year, obviously, around the whole COVID stuff and life in general, to in the middle of the pandemic, to have the Heat and the Marlins both in the playoffs, which, you know, obviously the Heat were predicted to be in the playoffs, but to have them make the run they did late in the summer, and the Marlins was a complete utter surprise. Uh, and with, with the excitement that Tua Mania was going to come at some point, and obviously the Dolphins are surprising some people as well. Um, that's helped offset some of, of the pandemic stuff when you're, you know, stuck at home every single day and, hey, you can turn on a Heat basketball game, a Marlins playoff game, and, and the Dolphins have been and, – and, and me and my buddy were talking about this the other day. Like, we've been lifelong Dolphin fans, and we've gone through the highs and lows – but the last five or ten years, it, it seemed like a chore, a job to watch them because it was just a bad team. The organization was going nowhere and boring and just not fun. Like, they were 0-7 to start last year. And this is painful as can be. We're supposed to be happy because they were taking for two, but it was just painful. This year is fun. You know, even in the loss to the Chiefs, and I'm not a moral victory type of guy, it's still a good, hard-fought game. It's a fun team to watch. It's a young team to watch. And for the first time in forever, to borrow a line from my daughter's Frozen movie, they have a future. Um, you can see the future with three rookies on the offensive line, a rookie quarterback, young wide receivers, a young defense. It's fun to watch them. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They may not even make the playoffs this year. But they're right there in the thick of things. It's meaningful football around the holiday time, which you did. You know, we haven't had that in four or five years. So it's fun. I think what's exciting about it is, um, you know, that defense that you guys have, your front seven, you know, it's underrated. It's very underrated. Uh, but, you know, Brian Flores having that background he has, that was probably expected. So um, I, I just kind of like what you guys have pieced together there in Miami, um, in, in the state of Florida with your sports teams. I'm not partial, really. I mean, I've got my, you know, I'm a Mavericks fan. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Seahawks fan. Say what you want. I know it's weird, but I grew up in Oklahoma. We didn't have sports teams. <laughs> I read a bunch of sports books, it's and that's, that's what I decided. So it's been, uh, it's definitely been fun. And, and even, I mean, even college football was, was good until about two minutes to go in Saturday night's game when, you know, all hell broke loose and, you had players throwing shoes across the field. But, you know, that would have made this Saturday's game even, more important, but hopefully we go in there and shock the world with Bama. We'll see. Yeah. I, I honestly think Kyle Trask can be up to the task. The, the fact that you guys are getting healthier with Pitts back in there, you know, that's huge, huge prospect there. Um, changes y'all's game plan, um, obviously. Um, I think, you know, it, I always pray and hope for not having blowouts because I like good games. I love to see great games, but um, for your sake and your fandom, I, I'm hoping that we get a we get a really great competitive game here, and Florida can uh, perhaps get the job done. And like you said, shock the you know world, maybe move Alabama from the one to the two or something. I was a lot more optimistic before Saturday night's game, but we'll see. You know, playing you know Nick Saban in Alabama, that's a tall task to begin with. Um, 
it just it's it's a gonna be a hard pill to swallow, especially after the LSU loss. Right. Well, and like you said, y'all shouldn't have even played that game, and that's probably gonna make it a little more jagged. Uh, but shout out to Atlanta's more set. Um, <laughs> the Look at you. Um, you you do an Alana Morissette, me quoting Frozen. We're there. Yeah, but yeah, we we got it all covered, all the bases. Um, well, you you plugged the chalk, chalk article. Um, I wanted to make sure that all the listeners knew exactly where they could find you. And you know, you are at David Bearman, uh, ESPN on Twitter. Is the ESPN at the end of it? D D Bearman, D Bearman, ESPN. Yeah, D Bearman, ESPN on Twitter. And I mentioned the chalk piece for uh, for NFL column that's out Thursday and Friday. But we also have college football column, Stanford Stephen the Bears column, which they take their podcast to the digital column. That'll be out tomorrow. Uh, what's today? Tuesday. That'll be out Thursday morning, as well as our college football best bets from our list of writers. That's David Hale, Connolly, um, Doug Kazarian, and Preston Johnson. They put together their best bets for college football. It's also out Thursday morning. And uh, if, if you tune in next week, we're going to have some NBA NBA preview gambling content uh, early next week. Yeah, sports cheetah. <laughs> Preston Johnson. The sports cheetah. Good d- yeah. yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, I've got to hang out with him a little here and when I go to Vegas. Uh, yeah. Nice, down-to-earth dude. Very, very, very big math guy, modeling guy. And just, you know, I, I played poker with the dude. He's, he's good times. Good, good people. Absolutely. Well, you guys, all you guys seem to be in, all your content is, and we appreciate the work that you do, David. Seems like you are just kind of, the marionette might sound like a bad word, but you know, you, 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 you're integral to all the operations there. We appreciate it. Um, Thank you. So, and you know, again, I appreciate you coming onto the show. Um, It's been a blast. I'm going to go ahead and let you get on out of here because, you know, we're busy men and uh, you're a father. Uh, you know how it goes and you got another meeting to get to but uh, listeners just wanted to remind you at Hootball Gaming on Twitter I'm at D-A-L-E-007 again the ho- the guest was David Bierman today uh, it was it was a fun time and uh, look his stuff up check out the chalk articles on ESPN look for his work out there look for our work out there the wager pass uh, plays will be loaded shortly uh, within this afternoon. We're going to have some college basketball plays for you guys today for those who subscribe. And again, uh, you all know that I'm always going to send you my good vibes and my good energies. So, David, thanks again, brother. I'm going to send this one on out. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, good luck to your betting this week and to all the listeners. Good luck, and uh, make sure you look at D. Behrman ESPN on Twitter as well as our ESPN.com shop. And I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, David. It was a blast. Hopefully another one soon. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.